Those other podcasts try to sell you items you definitely do not need. And that's why you need to try Blue Chew Gum, because if you're not stiff, you're not living the life. We're only here to provide you with the best in podcasting entertainment. I'm already stiff from the chairs we sit in here at TMB Studios. Hey, can we get a new chair? No! TMB Studios. It's what you want. This episode of The Shootout with Bill Blanchard is brought to you in part by... Witness the action and excitement of Livewire Wrestling live as we present Final Encounter. Saturday, October 24th at the American Legion Post 63 in Augusta, Georgia. Watch live as the Livewire Wrestling Championship is on the line as the essential champion Jeremy Cruz defends against the rock and roll model Matt Sexell inside an unforgiving steel cage. The Amplified Championship will be on the line as well as Adrian Davis makes his first title defense against the legendary Josh Magnum and the newly crowned Livewire Tag Team Champions High Profile will also be in the building as well as the rest of the stars of Livewire Wrestling. Fans, you don't want to miss this historic event, so you'll want to go ahead and get your tickets right now at LivewireAugusta.ga. General admission, $8. VIP tickets, $15, and there's only limited tickets available, so get them now. Please be advised that face coverings are required and there will be a limited supply to hand out if you do not have any Sanitizer stations will be set up in the building, and all Augusta Richmond County ordinances will be followed, including the use of facial masks. You do not want to miss this event. Livewire Wrestling presents Final Encounter. Livewire Wrestling, electrifying pro wrestling in the CSRA. Warning The views and opinions expressed by the guest on the shootout are not the views and opinions of TMB Studios, its management, or the host Bill Blanchard. They are strictly the views and opinions of the guest and the guest alone. If you are offended by any of these views and opinions, please stop listening now. It's time! What was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring? That people said, oh my God, that boy is stupid. Put over Brandon Parker. What? <laughs> no, no. I mean, because we did some pretty weird shit over there. I mean, me and me and Devin Wright at one point had a buff bitch match. Whatever, dude. A buff bitch hey. match? Damn. And he looked like the pig guy off of Captain America. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> that's that's just that shocked the fuck out of me. How one guy who's just asking straight up questions to people, straight up answers, is getting more hits than something that brings a lot of people back to their childhood. And, I mean, this is kind of funny. I appreciate that. You ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> Chris Dickens. <laughs> Do we really have to go there? You know, I heard Vince's comment one day. He said, hey, even God himself has, has a sense of humor. You know, I mean, wow. Had to create a Christopher Dwayne Dixon. <laughs> oh, God. How many ring racks? How many ring racks did you have backstage? There were rumors about... How many ring racks wanted to get some dirt? Wait, 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 what? Yeah, how many ring racks you actually had some Ring dirt? rats? Oh, boy. Oh, God, Chris, HK went so dirty what ring rats are. Oh, the one even Wolf Call would turn down. Dale Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
another zinger right out the park. Wow. Um, wow. Don't forget, so, we have know, to put Six over in the main event because he's the top guy. And, um, yeah. Well, Hogan must pose, you know what I mean? I feel like going to the Cheeto show in Patriots Park. I was like pissing on the grave. That one, bro. The shootout with Bill Fletcher. And now, part two of our exclusive interview with Jeremy Cruz. I have always been under the opinion that I would see TNA or WWE rip off so many ideas. And not only did we did in AWS, they ain't stuff like that in Flatline. And one time I saw something, I called up Chris, stop putting that shit on This guy be ripping us off. Look at this shit. You know, and I saw your comment one time recently about the uh, underground. I was First, I started typing some stuff in. Oh, delete it, delete it. It's going to be taken out of content. You know, you said something about underground. I'm sitting there like, I called up Chris. Oh, my God. Bash is still another idea. We did the same thing. It was called Underground, and we had shoot fights. Some of it was real. Some of the guys, you know, wasn't real, you know, but yeah. we, we were trying to do something different. And I'm seeing Shane and Mandy was like, the shoot idea, or the, the two general managers battling it out. We did the same thing. We did a cross show once. Granted, it was at the home arena, but it was SWF versus AWF, and then and we were trying to have fun with it. And he had Charlie Anarchy versus Chris Dickens, owner versus owner, and that's one of my favorite matches because – it was a glass shatters match. Look it up. It's on YouTube. Charlie yeah. hits Christopher so hard with a damn DVD player. The whole thing shattered over Chris's head. And mm. Chris stumbled on the, on the damn glass. I'm refereeing it. You know, I'm watching it. And when Charlie did a leg drop and land on Chris up to a glass table, the whole glass just shattered into dust. The damn glass yeah. shot up here, uh, Charlie's arm. But that's one of the best things I ever saw, you know, as far as uh, one of Chris and Charlie's best work they ever did. And, but yeah, yeah I mean, Charlie's that, a good guy, man. Charlie, I think it's just misunderstood by some people. That, that glass shatters match that was uh, that was that was an SWF creation, I believe. I believe they were doing yeah. those matches out there. Uh, yeah, he was because uh, one of the one of the guys one of the guys worked at a glass factory, so he was able to get his hands on those panes. So the I mean, tempered uh, glass. Yeah, yeah, the tempered glass, and and I've seen Chris take a lot of shit. But you're right, man. When when he did that leg drop and that thing just splinters and that glass went up into Charlie's arm, I mean, I still think yeah. I'm the only person that's ever tried to set Chris on fire. But <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get to that um, because I, I, I am curious um, about this because it had been talked about for years. And, you know, when we finally got the chance to do it at Total Fan Carnage 2010 – when me and you finally got the lock up, uh, I'm just curious, you know, for years and years that have been talked about, I'm just kind of curious what your mind process was through. Cause we never talked about the match at all. We never, we no, never really talked about what we were going to do. Um, we knew what the finish was going to be and we knew it was going to be a shock and awe to everybody that was there. Um, we didn't expect the reaction that we got from the people who were there. And it was another torn crowd, uh, small as it was, it was still torn. It was, it was your yeah. AWF guys and it was your indie guys. <laughs> And um, I'm just curious, you know, from from the beginnings when all the talking had started, you know, and we were we were back and forth online to that. I'm just curious as to your your mind process or everything that went through your mind with those days and at that point with that match, because I know when that match was happening in my mind and my thoughts was like, uh, this is something bigger than than me at this moment. Uh, This is going to be something people may still talk about. 
after we're done. So it's got to live up to some hype. Yeah, I mean, we we had done a good job as, as putting it over on the internet because you know we were always back and forth. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I were never were never short of words at that time. You know, we <laughs> always had some we always had something to say to whoever wanted to listen. But uh, which was everybody? <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish it could have. I wish it could have been better. Uh, I wish it could have been better. I wish it could have been at an actual show. Uh, I wish that the mat, the content of the match itself, we had thought a little bit more about because, like I said, it, it it had been something that had been built up for so long. Like I don't have any problems with the way it played out. I just I don't feel like it was enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't I don't feel like the match uh, uh, lived up to the hype. Now, granted, now not saying I have any problems with how it was because at the time we did what we thought. You know, we did the best we thought we could do at the time. Yeah. But uh, it's just one of those things. I wish it could have been better. You know what I mean? And I, I don't necessarily know how we could have made it better. But I just, I just wish I mean, it could have been better. We brought a little bit of everything into it. I mean, I even threw some shots at Flatline Days because Wigan was there. Because <laughs> uh, I grabbed that, um, that mannequin head that um, Clowney had. And I brought it yep. over to you, and I paid. I was like, "Why don't you do like you did in Flatline and sell out or mark out and hit <laughs> you with it?" And um, uh, Wiggins gave me this kind of like glare, and I'm like, "What? What are you gonna do? You're in my house. We're technically well, technically we're at <laughs> we're at uh, yeah, we're, we're, house. We're we're at my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, but you're technically at my show. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But um, I do remember the fire spot." Uh, where you actually did grab the gasoline and you poured it on me, and I'm smelling. It's like this is real fucking gas. <laughs> I just looked. At it was, it, I'm like, it was. It was not real gas. It now, what had happened was we came we came up with the idea for it, and I saw the gas can. And I was like, all right, but the gas can had maybe a quarter, maybe it was like a quarter, a little less, full of gas. So I'm like, oh, shit. Well, everyone's in the backyard. So I go out. I go into the bathroom and pour the gas down the tub. I pour the gas into the bathtub. <laughs> and I was like, all right, now I'll, just, I'll fill it up with water. So I filled it up with water. You know, not thinking that, all right, now the house is going to smell like gas. The house smelled like gas for the next, like, four days. <laughs> but, I mean, it was it's just one of those ideas where you, you see it and you're like, yeah, we need to do that, and that's pretty much as far as the thought process went. I saw it, I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't think about how to make it actually work. You know what I mean? So it was, it was one of those spur of the moment things that just happened to turn out to be a, a to turn out to be a good spot. Because uh, if I remember, it would, I had poured you were down, and I had already I had poured it all over you. And I was about to light it up, and then somebody I don't remember who it was. Somebody came out and saved you. No, um, yeah, somebody did. No, I kicked up. I kicked you, and then I started oh, beating that you with a candle stick. Yep. Oh, okay. I knew something had happened where you ended up getting back over on me, but uh, but yeah, that uh, that was definitely a, a once in a lifetime type of. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like there's 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 no way I would do that nowadays, you know. But <laughs> oh, Christopher, let me ask you a question. When he poured 
the gas on you, you're like, okay, it's not really gas. Like, I'm smelling gas. I imagine shit your pants. You were like, I'm about to get on fire. You know, <laughs> sometimes I don't know. You would. Um, I, I sat there looking up. I'm like, oh my god, this is the end. <laughs> I'm literally going to be the talk of the wrestling community. Jeremy Cruz is going to run around going, I'm the motherfucker that lit Chris Dickens on fire and shut him the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, oh, there, there's oh. been there's been so much shit talking on the internet. If I had actually lit you on fire, I don't think anyone would have been surprised. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> you no, know what no, I mean? They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. <laughs> Let me explain something. Let me explain something. Okay, you had Jay really bury Chris for a one time, legitly. You had Parker not only put Chris to a table, but hit him over the head with a what's a light bulb. Daniel Main puts it in his truck, was supposed to stop. I actually hit him. No, full fledged hit him. <laughs> Twenty five thousand an hour. Boom! He lived, and all of a sudden he died because Jerry Cruz burned him. I thought he burned the motherfucker. I just killed him. Nothing <laughs> would believe it. Christopher's body, he's done it so many times. I still can't get over Daniel May figure like, I'm sitting there like, yeah, Chris, Daniel really hit you with a truck. I'm really supposed to believe that. He is playing. I'm watching. Uh huh. Okay. No, oh, he, shit. he really, really did. Hit you with yeah, he, he he really hit him with a truck. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then God. then chewed me out because I uh, broke his uh, windshield. Yeah, yeah. I was windshield wiper got broke. <laughs> so, I'm like, sorry, you boss. honked the horn at the wrong time. He said I honked it after uh, you jumped on the window. I'm like, well, maybe that's why. Yeah, the honk was the cue for you to jump, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, he honked after he got right up on me. So after <laughs> I jumped, he honked the horn. <laughs> God, oh, it's amazing, it amazing you can still walk nowadays. Yeah, but everything I've been through, it, heck, I mean, Cruz has been through more than I have half the time. Well, what well, we wouldn't do for the business, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. I gotta ask you this, man. I've always wanted to ask you this question. I heard this through rumor and innuendo. Now, before I get into UCW and, and, and Livewire, what's going on uh-huh. wrestling today, Christopher told me this, well, I guess, well... I guess you call it rumor. Anyways, there was a wrestling show at Six Flags Over Georgia for one of their uh, scare fests. Did yeah. you really wrestle as Jason Voorhees? Quad ring with, with a hockey mat, the Jason Voorhees outfit to put on a show. I said, oh my I God, that man is lucky. That is true. I did. I did. Uh, I tell we, me how that happened, man. I, 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 I was so excited when I heard that crap. I kind of got lucky. We were at APW and... Yeah. Um, Parker was talking to Kevin Blue, because Parker and Kevin Blue had become friends at the time. Well, I mean, they're probably still our friends. I don't want to say at the time, like, they had a falling out or anything, but Kevin Blue was working there. We were all working there. We, we all knew each other. I don't know who was approached about it first, but Rick Michaels was running the rest of the, uh, it was called MC, it was MCW, Monstrosity Championship Wrestling. And right. it was just like it was just like one of the little side shows at Six Flags that they would do during Halloween time. And it was the next day, and he needed guys. So Kevin Blue was like, "Well, if you know, we all row with Wade Adams." Uh-huh. So Wade Adams got invited, and we we're like, "Well, sh- you know, we all row with you. Like, if you want to do this, you know, we're down to do it." And we we're going to drive back, but Kevin Blue said, "It's cool. You guys can just stay at my house." So it was it was myself, it was Charlie, it was Brandon Parker, and it was Wade Adams. And Spectre was there also. But uh, we go there, we show up, we got into Six Flags for free. 
you know, we didn't have to pay anything. We came through one of like the little yeah. side gates. Um, yeah. We went in, we talked to Rick. Rick was looking at us. He goes, man, what, you know, and all of us were kind of thin. Like none of us were really broad. And yeah. he's like, man, he's like, man, you bring me all these scrawny guys. And we're, you know, me and Parker are looking at each other like scrawny. Like, who's supposed to call scrawny? Like, we're, we're big, you know. <laughs> But you know, Jake, Jason's always been one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, horror villains. If you want to call him a villain, some people call him a hero because you know he's yeah, out there, yeah, yeah. Take, out there take, taking care of all the druggies and all the premarital sex havers. You know, exactly. All, 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 all the un, all the unchristlike behavior that's going on out at Camp Crystal Lake. He's putting a stop to it. I know, right? He looked at me and he was, he needed someone. He wanted someone tall to play Jason. And I was the tallest person out of everybody. So I'm wearing this pair of like brown coveralls, uh, <laughs> a, a gray flannel shirt. And the mask yeah. was actually, the mask was like a $500 latex piece. It was the shoulders uh-huh. and the head. Nice. So they, they put that thing on me and they crammed the shoulder pieces up underneath the, uh, up underneath the collar of the of the uh, flannel shirt or the thermal shirt, so I'm standing there and I'm sweating my ass off, you know, because I'm I'm wearing you know I'm wearing Under Armour underneath this because we we did yeah. have to wrestle, yeah. so yeah, I actually uh, I got to do a three way match. It was myself as Jason versus Freddy versus Leatherface, and the guy who wow. played Leatherface, the guy who played Leatherface, actually does it as his gimmick. Like he does that gimmick, like he is Leatherface. <laughs> so, is there a video uh, of that somewhere? There's, there may be somewhere out there. I don't think anyone was recording. What Wade Adams might have set up his camera because he played uh, he played an evil Christmas elf <laughs> on that show. <laughs> But uh, we we did that show, we did that match, and at the end there was a battle royal, and and this is just how great Rick Michaels is, because Rick yeah. Michaels was in the battle royal, and he's standing backstage, and there was a guy playing a mummy character. So the the mummy the mummy guy was getting ready to walk out, and one of the other guys he goes, man, wouldn't wouldn't it be so funny with as as slow as the mummy walks if like we announce the mummy. And, like, before he even gets to the ring, the next guy comes out and, like, walks past him. Like, while the mummy's still making his entrance. Because, you know, the mummy was supposed to go out there and he's supposed to walk, you know, real slow and, you know, like he's, like he can't bend his legs yeah, or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, Rick's just sitting back there giggling to himself, talking to, uh, I think it was Simon Sermon, if I'm not mistaken. I can't, I can't, it wasn't, it must have, it must have been Simon because it wasn't Sal. It wasn't Sal Renaro. Yeah. So he, he's like, oh, man, that would be hilarious. So Rick goes and he's like, who's coming out after the mummy? Who's coming out after the mummy? And it just so happened to be me. So he's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to we're going to call for the mummy. He's going to start making his way out. But I want you to walk just straight past him. Like, just, you know, do your normal Jason walk. I don't want you to run or anything. He goes, I just want you to walk, you know, with purpose. But I want you to pass the mummy as you go. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. But I mean, and it got over. Like it like the mummy call, you know, they ring, they call for the mummy and he's he comes out and he's he's I mean, just baby steps, like stiff leg, arms out, everything. And wow. 
it it's maybe three minutes went by how you know 90 seconds however long they were because it was like the royal rumble they had them spaced out so the time goes by and then it comes it's time for me to come out so i come out and i've got a real machete in my hand like that wasn't a prop machete it was a legit machete so I come out with the machete, just walking, you know, like Jason walks, just walking with a purpose, yeah. but not, not yeah. a not a run or anything. But and yeah, I, I passed him, and man, you you could just hear people laughing. Like it was so, like it was so good, and Rick was so happy with how it turned out because it it worked out just like he wanted it to. It, it yeah. was awesome. God. I'm going to get that, man. I wish I could have been there participating in that. I got Michael Myers, full-fledged, old-school Michael Myers outfit. And I've got the Friday 13 Part 7 uh, a suit that Jason looked. I looked at Part 7. I got the same body suit and everything. Cause I oh. rotate every Halloween. One year is Jason, one year is Michael Myers. Oh, if I heard that stuff, I was, oh, man, those guys are lucky. God, it sucks. I got yeah, that, 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 but anyway, that was a real awesome, thing. Man. That was a real thing that happened. And uh, that's that's that was a that was a really good experience and a lot of the guys were angry because they told us we'd be able to ride the roller coasters for free because we were going to have like a pass or something yeah but, uh, you know these guys they were doing airbrushing on us like the guy airbrushed my hands to make it look uh-huh. like i had you know jace looked like i was a dead guy yeah so so a lot of these guys by the time we got airbrushed and everything there was no time to ride roller coasters i think they got to ride like one roller coaster before the show started <laughs> And you know, I'm 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 in the full Jason. I'm wearing the headpiece and everything. And Rick comes up to me and goes, "Hey man, he goes, do me a favor. If you're gonna ride a roller coaster, take the headpiece off because that's like a nine hundred dollar headpiece." And I was yeah. like, oh, "That's like, oh, don't worry, dude. I'm, I'm not gonna ride any roller coasters." And I was like, "Do you want me to go stand at the entrance where the park, the entrance of the park, and try to get people to come in?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, that that would be great, man." So I walked out to the entrance and I'm just standing there. And like people are coming up, like little kids are trying to walk up close to me, and I turn and look at them, and they back up and run away. And, uh, people, people, people were coming up to me and asking me if they could take pictures with me. Is I, I took like like a, a dozen or two dozen pictures with just random people from Six Flags dressed up as Jason, just because I was standing at the entrance, you know. And that is awesome. I love that story. Wow, amazing. Um. I, I guess I'm moving a little bit forward here. Now, before I jump right into the UCW thing, I want to go ahead and get this out of the way or rip off like a damn Band-Aid. Um, Justin Hollywood Hancock. And I, I could never make up my mind about the guy. I, you know, I try to be you know nice to him, but he's, God, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, Chris. I, I've had him on the show a couple of times, and, you know, he's, he's young. He wants to get into the business. I, I can appreciate his love for it. I just don't think he goes about it the right way sometimes. And, he tries to start a promotion called Viscosity, and, you know, it just, uh, I don't know. And then I had Brandon on the show one time. Me and him were talking about Justin, and Brandon told me that Don should never book Justin because he has, a, there's an issue with him physically. Then going to grand details about it, and, and uh, but there's a reason why he wants to get bookings anywhere else was because, you know, Don was like, well, you know, if you don't get an opportunity in the world, I'm going to give you an opportunity because I'm not like everybody else, right? You know, but I always yeah, but kind of rip on a little bit. But go ahead. I was going to ask your, your thoughts on Justin Hollywood as a wrestler, character, or however you want to put it. Justin Hollywood as a person is a good kid. Um, yes. I don't I don't think he's a bad person. Um, 
I think he bit off more than he could chew. I just think he thought it was going to be a lot, a lot easier than he thought it was going to be because I, it's 50, 50 with me. I spent half the time feeling bad for him. And the other half the time, I just want to choke him because of the way he acts. Me too. The way he acts. Yeah, Cause, exactly. Cause the, the thing that I have a problem with is he's got guys that are willing to train him uh-huh. for, for free. For free. He don't have yeah. to, he don't have to pay anything. But he shows up, he'll show up late, he'll take two bumps in the ring, and then he'll say he's got a headache. So we're like, all right, we'll roll outside, roll outside, take a few minutes. When you start feeling good, hop back in the ring. Well, he rolls out, and we're going through training, and all of a sudden I look around, and it's like, hey, where's Hollywood? We're going over something new. I want him to get in here. Oh, he left. Where did he go? Oh, he said he's going to get something to eat. In the middle or, of training. In the middle of training. Or he would take yeah. a bump and then all of a sudden he was so hurt that he couldn't he couldn't finish the training class. But then he wanted to be booked on the show. And it's uh-huh. like, wait a minute. Like you were hurt and you couldn't finish training, but now you want to be on the show. And then when he was booked on the show, everything he wanted to do was just a rip off of something that somebody else was already doing. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone's got people they look up to, and everyone's got wrestlers that they want to emulate. But there's already a Devin Wright. We don't need you trying to be Devin Wright. And then he wants to do this mask gimmick where he's got this stuffed alligator. That's like, okay, well, that's that's Damien. You're just trying to be Damien because you saw Damien and Vapor at Flatline. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it's uh huh. It's like you got you got to come up with something original. Like if I was him, I would be doing the spoiled son of the promoter gimmick because he would get so much heat with that because people kind of already perceive him that way. Uh-huh. And and that's all wrestling is. It, it your gimmick is just you turned up to eleven. So why not go with that? Why not be the spoiled rich kid whose dad owns a wrestling promotion and. I've got this money, and you know, I can. My dad will get me anything I want, and if you know, blah blah blah. Like, if I was him, I'd be out there milking that for all it's worth. So, you know, I, I just you gotta want it, and I just don't think he like he wants to be involved, but he doesn't he doesn't want it enough to go after it. I think, and you know it. He he has it stuck in his mind that you know he came to um, you know to meet Alan one time and wanted our financial help, just a financial part, right? And he yes. wants to do. Christopher, what's Justin's friend? That annoying little turd I can't stand. What's his name? And he wants to work with so bad. Not Aubrey. Uh, not, Aubrey. not Aubrey. The other, not Aubrey. I, li- I actually like Aubrey. The other one. I don't remember. Uh, his- God, what's this guy's name? I can't remember. It. I don't know if he was there for this. It was a UCW show. It was a freaking battle royal. You know, I actually saw him and stated that they were trying to tell him, hey, you know, let's do some bumps. Let's do some training. I want to show you how to, you know, do a battle royal. And this kid tells Don, it was just like, who needs training? I do a freaking battle royal. And goes in the back, refuses to get in the ring. You know, I told Don, grab that little shit and drag us out to the back. If that's his whole attitude, no. And he, he's green. He's new. He, you know, got, you know, God, what's his freaking name? It's driving me crazy. 
Brandon. You know, Brandon, Oh, the kid with the glasses that he used to come to the shows with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, that used to come with the with his girlfriend and the baby or whatever. Uh huh. Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. And, and, uh, and he wants desperately to do a match with him and wants us to create a promotion just so they can do that. And I says, but he wants to be an owner. I'm like, no, Justin, I'm not into that, man. Sorry. You know, I'm not, you well, know, and then he wanted to do the same thing for UCW and then AWF too back in the day. We get in the ring, we try to teach about doing soup flex. Oh, I can't take soup flexes. You're going to break my neck. And I said, dude, it's simple. CJ, soup flex me. You know, I said, if a little guy like CJ can soup flex me, I'm pretty sure you can take a soup flex, you're going to be fine. So CJ, soup flex me. Boom. Like, see? All right, now let CJ soup flex you. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. That's all right. And then get out of the ring. Yeah, if you're not comfortable, yeah. then get out of the ring. He will boom. That's really about it. He took it. Josh gave him a stiff clothesline one time, and then that was it. So I'm kind yeah. of telling Don that why are you booking Justin Hollywood in these matches? Well, I'm trying to give him an opportunity. But Don, he, he the first shot he takes, he wishes out, you know? Well, all even, sudden, even the Viral tried to give him a shot. They had a battle royal, and they gave him a spot in the battle royal where he was going to come in and immediately get clotheslined over the top rope. Yeah. So before the show, they were like, "All right, man, we you want we need to go over the spot." He goes, "No, no, I got it. It's fine. Just go over the top rope." This kid wanted to go out during intermission and go over the spot. Oh my gosh! Did, didn't want to do it before the show. He wanted to go out during intermission and and go over the spot. So I think that's. I think that was finally the last straw as far as like Caleb and whoever's in charge of viral where they were just like, you know what? <laughs> like if you don't care enough to go out, you know, we give, we, we go out of our way to, to make a spot for you and you don't even care enough to make sure that the one spot we give you, you understand what we want and know how to do it. So, yeah. you know, I, I got nothing yeah. else for you, you know, but I mean, you know, uh, we, that's a shame. We, we have training before every live wire show. We set up the ring uh -huh. as fast as we can and guys get in and we bump around. Uh, so if, if anybody wants to learn, if anybody wants to get in the ring, if anyone wants to, you know, not ring rust off even, you know, if you hadn't done it in a while, it, just come to the show. Help us set up the ring. You're more than welcome to get in the ring and bump around and hell. Bring your gear bag, because who knows? You you might even get end up being on the show, because oh, I, I mean, know. you guys you you guys know better than anyone. Hell, I mean, sh stuff happens all the time. Wait, we sometimes we end up needing a, an extra body or an extra person or. Uh, uh, Bill, I think that's happened to you a couple of times. I think you showed up. It, it, like, it happened yeah, boss, to I'm, me. I'm, I'm here to watch, but if y'all need help, and Billy's like, well, actually, I think you even got a match. Like you got a singles match, it didn't you? Did. I got a singles match with uh, J.C. Walker. I was shocked as hell. I barely had a couple things in my truck, but you know, I was there to help help set up production stuff. And then, and I'm like, "Really? You serious?" He's like, "Yep, I, I need a filler." And J.C. says, "Yeah, I work, Bill. Me and Bill worked before. We were him. We him did a show in Allendale one time, and it was training, training practices too. So you know, I felt comfortable being there with Walker. You know, so I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, uh, I had been in the ring over a year and horribly out of shape, but I did the best I could and. I was happy with it, but that just made me want to motivate myself to get back so back in shape, lose the weight that I gained, get back where it was in 09, where I was in really good shape then, where I was wrestling yeah. on a full-time basis. So that's my overall goal. But you know, like you said, 
And I, when opportunity comes knocking, you never know. I mean, answer the door when it does knock, you may, you may not get it again. So he, although I was scared because like, I had been in the ring, I knew I'm going to get blown up, but I had Walker, and I was like, I, I wasn't going to say no. I grabbed whatever yeah. I could, and I made the best of Walker, it. You know? Walker's one of those guys, man. It, it's hard to have a bad match with Walker. Like unless oh, you yeah. just completely unless you just completely shit the bed, like it's hard to have a bad match with somebody like Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, great guy. Um, but okay, now let, let, let's go. Let's dive into this here. I, I guess it's part of one of the, one of the co-main events of this uh, episode. United <laughs> Championship Wrestling. I'm saving the best toward the last year. Uh huh. What are your real thoughts, man? I mean, we don't have to necessarily tell your whole career in UCW. You've had, I saw some matches I got a chance to commentate with Blake. You know, you did some yeah. good matches with CJ uh, as a tag team. You know, I seem like you guys really had something cooking here. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm here, I'm here texting Jay, and why are these guys the tag team champions? Oh, we're, we're working on it. I'm like, okay. And then next show, I did. I text him. Okay, I'm not seeing anything being working here. I'm seeing Dead Reckoning trying to rule the ring here, but I'm, I'm seeing what you and uh, CJ was doing. Y'all were starting to become my favorite tag team. Hell, that name took a picture with y'all. You know, I was just like, I thought I could done some great matches with Instant Heat. I could, tor- I could easily could have taken the belts. But Jay always would try to say, well, they didn't stay in long enough for us to, you know, work out an angle. I always said, man, BS. I don't want to hear that crap. You know. But then shortly after, like I said, I, I saw you on live wire. But that was just my take of it, though, man. I, I want to hear from your words. What are your real thought process? Because it seemed like to me, I love Don as a friend. I disagree with him as a businessman. Because it seemed like he had no direction on how to run UCW. He would sit there and keep, it came on a podcast, and I questioned him a lot of things. And he says, well, when I book people, I just expected them to know how to do their job. I'm like you expect them to know how to do their job. If you book, if you book, if you book a guy who can't lead a match and one guy who can't follow a match, it's a clusterfuck, dude. I mean, yeah. hell, Chris has got shit for brains, and he knew that. No offense. <laughs> hey, the I think the downfall of UCW was it was friends booking friends. Like in, in my heart, in my heart. In my in my heart, I truly believe that that was the downfall of UCW. It was friends booking friends. Because when I first came in, you know, I I told him I was like, yeah, and I joked around. I was like, yeah, if y'all need a job guy, just let me know. I'd be more than happy to come down there and blah blah blah. So I come down there like, well, we we want you, we want to put you with T Cash. Okay, fine. T Cash just so happened to be the heavyweight champ. And so I get there, and T Cash is like, hell yeah, I'll work with Cruz. And I was like, all right, well, fuck, I'll work with T Cash. Like, I, I, I trust him. I know, I know he's decent. I know he's not going to go out there yeah. and do anything that's going to hurt me or him, you know. So right, that, right. Par- that parlayed of, I was tagging with Oakley at the time, but then Oakley uh-huh. made his exit. Oakley made his grand exit. So I was kind of left without a partner. So me and uh, CJ started tagging. And, I think I felt like me and CJ really had a good tag team going. Like I felt like we were we were doing good. I felt like we were doing really good heel work with what we were given. Um, we had just got uh, CJ had just made his t-shirts. Like we had just got t-shirts made with our tag name on it. Denise uh, did those and did a really good job on them. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like all right, well. All right, tonight we're going to, you know, sitting in the booking meet or not the meetings, but going over the card. It's like, all right, you guys are going to wrestle so and so, 
And then tonight, Dead Reckoning is going to wrestle for the tag titles. And we're like, uh, okay, well, whatever, you know. So we kept getting it. We kept doing these non-title matches, and we're just like, when is, you know, when are, when are we going to get, when are we going to start working towards the titles or whatever? I'm not saying that it was all about the titles, but. There weren't that but many tag sense. teams. There weren't, yeah, there weren't that many sense. tag teams in UCW. You know what I mean? So, I and then, <clears throat> and then I ended up leaving um, over the uh, situation that happened. Uh, like uh-huh. I said, not not going not going to name any names because there's no reason right. to do that because you know right. it's there's two sides to every story and. You know, everyone is able to listen to both sides and make their own decisions. Well, let me ask this question real quick. Like I said, I know we're not naming names. That's the reason why you left. You, I thought it was an impression because of a fundraiser that didn't go well with Livewire and UCW or some kind of barbecue fundraiser that they were trying to do. And that felt through. I was under the impression that's why you left. It was the other BS no. situation. We behind no, the. the- the reason I left is because I did not want to be involved in the situation that was going on, and I did not want to be forced. Because when something like that happens, you're always forced to pick a side. Like no matter, yeah. no matter what, no matter what anyone says, you are ex- whether they say it or not, you're expected to pick a side. And I wasn't going to do that. I was like, you know what this this isn't worth it. Um, Don always said that the goal was to build towards making money, and we weren't taking those steps. You know, I was I was coming down, I was doing the shows for free, but you know, we were we kept saying, you know, the goal is to get everyone paid, and we were not taking steps to reach that goal. No, they wasn't. And, and I argue you know, with Don and Jay all day long about that. So with Christopher, you know, I've had, I've had private meetings with Don and Jay. And I said, listen, this is the amount of money I've got right now. This is why I'm willing to invest in your product to get there. And he says, well, I can't promise you anything with it other than a receipt. You know, I'll go ahead and say it right now. I had 2,500 bucks. I was willing to invest in UCW to help out getting better equipment. Start paying his talent. You're not going to make nowhere. He's like, well, I'm not getting rid of my talent. I said, I'm not saying get rid of your talent. With so many guys you've got, you'll get better matches. I said, you get what you paid for. I said, Don, it takes yeah. money to make money. You're not going to make it with free with, with doing this way, okay? Listen, the people who are doing the ticket people have to understand. Your referees, your announcers, your production will understand. Once we start getting fans in the seats, the money will come, okay? Okay? Yeah. Let me help Let me. you, okay? I'll offer to pay you, you. And other guys that was there, and Don, no, no, no. Now I'm gonna tell you this real quick, okay? What, what really threw me through a loop when you get Timothy Blackman back in uh, up there, he hears about UCW shows up, and uh, I, again, another mm-hmm. situation where I did no shows. Timothy says, "I got my gear in the car," and just okay, great, we'll book you, you know. And yeah. and T Money got the itch again. Then all of a sudden, yeah. when whatever, wherever it went down, people were choosing sides, right? And we all know. Everybody's shooting on each other on the on Facebook and, and Messenger. Yeah. Everyone's in their private group chat, and they're all they're all shooting about it. And then the T-Money says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go with UCW." And then he uh, he goes to Don. And they're out there in the back, and he says, "I've got X amount of dollars, you know, but this is and this is who I can pay 
you know, money says, this is what I'm going to pay and who shouldn't get paid. You know, he looks at the thing and Don's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want, I don't need your money too much. I'm like, Don, why are you turning down a freaking sponsor? He's trying to help you. He's going to pay yeah. this amount of money to pay your talent and get good talent in here that's going to have good matches. He's like, no, no, I don't need to say I'm a donor. I'm going to go book talent that's willing to do it for free. And he said no to me, and he said no to Blackman. First he said no to me, and then Blackman basically the same thing and, and said no. I said, dude, you're, I said, you're going to win. I knew what was going to happen. I called Christopher. Matter, matter of fact, I picked Christopher up. We went for a drive down to a damn, uh, it was somewhere in Grotown. We sat in park, had a couple of drinks. I'm like, watch this. Is he going to turn money down? I give him three months. You're going to start seeing signs for IWE. And Christopher, did I not call it? You, you called know, the moment that shit went down. All of a sudden, IWE, you know, then we're seeing live wires coming back and they, and they came to the same venue where Don was booking uh, for the American Legion. I called that too. And then IWE versus, you know, Machido. And then Jay, I kept you in the podcast and I'm criticizing him. And I said, Jay, I say this with love, man. This is called tough love here, man. Why wouldn't y'all freaking take the money? Because when Jay says, well, it was a lost opportunity for UCW. It should have been IWE versus UCW. I said, why would money do business with y'all? Y'all basically laughed in his face when he offered to help y'all and y'all walked away, you know? I said, well, you had help. Go ahead. And so, no, go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead. Finish well, no, I was just, I was just like, go ahead. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> the, da- the downfall of UCW was just bad booking decisions. And it's the same reason that uh, – it's the same reason Mike Ellison's show is never successful. It's bad booking decisions. And that's what kills a lot of these shows. It's just you're making the wrong choices. Now, let's say we did do IWE versus UCW. Okay, let's, yeah. look, at IWE, let's look at IWE's roster. You've got Chris Main, very accomplished uh-huh. wrestler. You've got Darkness, very well known around, around this area. You've got Josh Magnum. You've got Brandon Paradise. You've got, uh, what was that tag team? The Bravado Brothers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now let's look at UCW's roster. You've got Bayou Billy. You've got TJ Trucker. You, you, you see where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. I see exactly going with this. And, you know, and these guys might be good. I mean, these, these guys are fine outside the ring. You know, they're. You laugh with them. You talk to them before the show. You know they're they're good guys to have a laugh with. But these aren't guys that people are going to pay money to see. I mean, you put TJ Trucker in the ring with some untrained kid at the Harlem show, and he got three of his teeth busted out of his head doing yes, a simple doing a simple move. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you're going to make that guy your heavyweight champion? And it's the and same thing no with. <laughs> That you know, that's like uh, that's like uh, UCW versus IWE. Okay, we've got John Malice versus Tony Lamb. Like, come on, guys! Like, who the hell is going to buy a ticket to see that? You know what I mean? Don's exact word. He told T Money when Money was saying you don't have quality talent, and he says, "Look, I know you're trying to say we're all fat and ass shape, but when we make it big, we're going to shove it in all y'all's faces." You know. I, I just walked away. I was okay. I'm done. There's no, there's no talking to him. Now, Don would have finished product. Don had a dream. Don tried, but I, I don't know. I want to, I want to comment on this too. When you said you thought one of your reasons for uh, 
you still be downfall with friends, looking friends. And I questioned Fury and Don about it on the shootout early in the, in the arcades. You can look at the listen to it if you want. Jay says, I'm going to stop you right there, Bill. In this business, you make friends and you become family. We met these guys and, be, and we became friends. We became family. So, yeah, we were all rest. We were all family. You know, there's nothing wrong with booking family. I said, but you want trying to get, you want to try to recruit other talent to come in and help your friends get over better. You know, if I said, if he had the same talent, if people are buying a ticket and they're coming to see the same show, a same kind of match, same kind of angles, people are going to get bored with it, man. It's easy yeah. to get someone come to watch the show the first time. It's getting them to come back and want for more. That's your challenge. But if, if your product gets stale, and it'll go from 30 to 20 to 5 mm. easily. And that's another thing that happened. They wouldn't book fresh talent. They wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't, they let, they wouldn't let someone. And, and it got stale, man. You're saying the exact same matches over and over they, and over. I said, Blake, we're wasting they, our time here, man. They had a roster of 12. They had a roster of like 12 or 13 guys. And, you yep. know, granted, some of the, some of those guys were good. Like uh, 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 Thomas Hancock, he was good. Like that, yeah. that kid could still be good. Like he's, he's young. He's young. Uh huh. Man, man, you get him in the ring. You get him with somebody that knows how to mold and craft and hone his and hone his talent. That kid could be somebody. Like he's oh, he's yeah. got a natu- he's got a natural aptitude for the for the sport. Um, you know, you got you got T Cash in there who's got experience, but I mean, what they were doing is they weren't. They weren't trying to cover up people's negatives and accentuate their positives. They were booking guys, and whether they realized it or not, they were exploiting all the negatives that these guys had. Because, like you said, you got a guy who can't lead, and you got a guy who can't follow. They don't need to be in the match together, and that's what was happening. Not saying that TJ Trucker and Bayou Billy can't have a good match, but they can't they weren't necessarily going to have a good match with each other. No, no, they wouldn't. They was not. I just, you would have to put, you would have to put TJ trucker in there with someone like Jay who could talk him through the match and be like, all right, brother, like your heat, go ahead, get, give me what you got. And then someone who could gauge the crowd and be like, all right, that's enough. We need to, we need to take over now. We need to switch it Uh up. Right. They weren't, they, they weren't doing that. They were putting on the same matches, and instead of bringing in new people, they were just throwing masks on guys that they already had and expecting uh-huh. the crowd not to notice when they're wearing. Notice. They're going out to wrestle in the same gear that they wore, the in the same clothes gear. that they wore to the arena. You know what I mean? And, and I hate to be one of those guys that harps on gear and gear and gear, but, man, gear is so important. Like you you got to look. you got to look the part. Because a lot of those guys sure as hell can't act the part, so you might as well look no, at can't. <laughs> You know what I mean? If if when that situation happened with T Money and Don in the back, and then I walked away, and, and people would know like Bill, you know it's your commentary. You're not serious anymore. You're just laughing your butt off for the entire time because that's when I realized this ain't going nowhere. So me and Stovall, we're trying to you know do live commentary, and Blake is there the whole time. Me and Stovall is cracking jokes every match we're seeing. We're bawling, we're freaking laughing hysterical, and we're, we're ripping the wrestlers in the ring. I mean, that, that's just how bad it was, you know. What few fans well, you I mean, had there? Well, at least they're going to get entertained. But I'm just like, come yeah, on. Yeah. I said, I said, you're opening match. I says, Jay, 
come out here and listen. They're chanting oxygen mask. Get these guys an oxygen mask. I mean, it was they were so blown up in the first minute and a half. I mean, kid, but just I mean, come on, man. Several situations it was like that. But yeah, I mean, they, I mean, I'm sorry. Jeremy, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, but you're not going to sell tickets with Cell versus TJ Trucker. No, you're not. I'm sorry. And like, he wasn't going to sell with Trucker and uh and Hunter Young. They were going to book. I mean, TJ Trucker won the, the next year's Veterans uh, Rumble, and I try to give Trucker some love because when he does come out of the ring, he does get some type of crowd reaction. You know, I, I think Trucker's a good man and everything, and, and good entertainer. But you know, even yeah, he, he just needs he, work. Yeah, it just needs and work, you know. And then, not not saying he doesn't belong, because you know who am I to say that someone doesn't belong? Because my whole career, I've been told I don't belong, you know. But there right. there comes a point. There comes a point where, like I said, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and realize, like, it's more it's more than just acting the way you want to be perceived. Like, you have to present yourself the way you want to be perceived. And right. if you're com- if you're coming out there and like. Everyone always wants to use the excuse of, oh, well, Dusty Rhodes, you know, Dusty Rhodes got over and he was like, yeah, Dusty Rhodes wasn't that big until later on in his career when he was already over. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Dusty Rhodes was already yes. over. He, he didn't just show up as this fat guy and polka dots dancing. Like, D- Dusty Rhodes could, could work and did work for a long time in the territories and everything before WWE kind of made him into a dancing clown. So for people just to use Dusty Rhodes as an example, I, that just shows how little they know about Dusty Rhodes. How you little know they I mean? know about Dusty Rhodes in the business. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And, you know. and the other thing, like, yeah, Dusty Rhodes might have been a fat guy, but he didn't get blown up. Nope. And, and he when, he talked, an hour. when he talked, people listened. He didn't come out there and go, uh, well, I'm going to kick your ass tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what else? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to pin you. Like you, you got to be able to work. You got to be able to work the microphone. You got to be able to work in the ring. You got to be able to present yourself in a way for people to perceive you in the way that you you're talking. Make them you know want what I'm saying? Like, it's, you yeah, make them want. You got to sell the match, sell yourself. I make them. It's the, hard, it's the hardest. hardest. It's the hardest job in the world because everyone already knows it's fake, but it's your job to convince them that it's real for that for whatever time you're in there. And some guys, some guys can do it, some guys can't. But the guys, the guys that can't, I believe, can be coached and can be taught to be better. Like they all may not be Dusty Rhodes, but they can be better than what they are if they if they put in the work. I am 100% convinced of this angle when it comes into pro wrestling, fortune tank, whichever you want to call it. If you have a good heel who can get so much heat where your audience will cheer for the Easter Bunny to kick your ass. And I, I am dead serious. I, I mean, I, the, my, I get this example to everybody because I watched I was I'm, I was a fan uh, growing up during the Monday Night Wars. I grew up with Jim Crockett promotions all the way up to the last days of WCW. Well, I've First, I first saw this guy as a manager, you know, managing the Freebirds, managing the Diamond Stud. I'm talking about Diamond Ellis Page, right? I think I think a loud mouth with a cigar. I hated the guy. He's trying to yeah. wrestle, and I see him do some matches. I was just not buying it. He had, to me, he had a kind of heat where I, ch- I yeah, I want to see this dude get his ass kicked. You know, what I mean, I didn't like him. I flat out dis- despise it. You know, he was 
nothing to me, okay? And then, then one day, the NWO is really cooking me. Hulk Hogan said what he said. Hell, I was one of those Hulk Hogan crying and throwing things at the damn TV. I, ripped, mm-hmm. I burned my red and yellow merchandise. I mean, I was so into it. I was truly believe what Hulk Hogan told me to stick it. I mean, he was just like, oh, my God, my hero. No. I mean, I was just so over top. And then Hall and yeah. Nash would just beat everybody up week after week. They were getting so much heat. And then the same guy, Dominic Page, is right there. Oh, okay. He's going to put the NWF shirt on. Go ahead, Page. Oh, you're a dick anyway. I didn't like you. I'm sitting there, pop <laughs> open Dr. Pepper. And then I spit it out when he diamond cutter skull. And I just jumped to my freaking face. Holy shit. And Nash turns around and charges at Page. Page does. Nash was over the front ring, over the pose. And, and the crowd's going nuts. And I am screaming. Up and down. Oh my god! Oh my god! And I said, "Wow, Paige just got me." I'm freaking loving yeah, that one out. It worked. I mean, it worked. You take a nobody, nothing punk like Paige and made him a superstar because he had great heels, and then he did the one thing no other babyface could have done. They won up the uh, those guys, and Paige is the first one to do it. And ever since then, I'm a D- I've been a DDP guy for life. I started, you know, yeah. I replaced my whole Hogan jerseys with Dabonalis Page bang stuff, you know. And, and, ever, and he started at what? Hey, he started what at age 36, 33? 36, 30, about, about 35, I think it was. We started yeah, he, he's, he started way late. Now, granted, he didn't stay around too. He didn't stay around super long, but I mean, by the time he was done, he 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 had been world heavyweight champion multiple times. Yeah, um, yeah. Him and him and Sting, him and Sting were like the only two guys. Him and Sting were the only two WCW guys that weren't ever like tempted to join the NWO. Like whenever they were fighting the NWO, you know, oh, it's either going to be DDP or it's going to be Sting that comes out and saves the day. You know what I mean? Like they, huh? He really, he really cemented himself at the top. He really was, you know. Uh, Ninety, I mean, yeah, I, I loved him after ever since then. You know, God, I mean, it's amazing. You know, well, that, that's and then he, for me, he, he parlayed that into a great heel run. Sure did. And then, and then that heel run, you know, that was around the time they were doing Ready to Rumble. So not only was he the top heel, not only was he champion, but he also got to be in a He was also in a movie. You know what I mean? Got so, I mean, it movie. just. I know. One of those guys that wasn't supposed to happen. And as you said earlier, if someone's coaching them, work with them, they can get them done. Because he had some great coaches that was working with him. And Paige took the time to study. When I was reading what he was doing, he'd be in the back. He in the back BSing around. He's in the back at a monitor watching matches. He's learning. He's trying to figure this out. He'd go back and watch tapes of his matches and see what he did wrong so I could do it better. He was constantly trying to work and improve himself. You know, so yeah, I got a lot of respect. So yeah, to give you credit, what you were saying is true. Good coaches, you can help some of the guys that weren't supposed to get over, weren't supposed to do a superstar, but if you book it right, you can make it happen. You know, and, and yeah, DDP is always an example I go to. DDP, uh, Raven, Raven's another guy that's got a great mind for the business. I mean, when he was doing that, when he was doing the uh, the John, uh, Johnny the Body stuff, and uh, he stuck his finger up his nose to uh, to just to make fun of a fan or something one time, and somebody took a picture of him. Uh-huh. So here, so here, Johnny the Body, the picture with his finger up his nose. So he took that so picture. the Quebecers. He took that. He took that picture and put it on a T-shirt. And on the T-shirt, yeah. it said "snot." It said "snotty the body." <laughs> and man, he probably he probably made a million dollars on just that. So I mean, yeah. he knew that 
anyway, somebody took a picture of him trying to mess with him, and he took it and ended up making money off of it. It's like he just—you just, just got to know how to work people. You know what I'm saying? And you, you can't be afraid. Exactly. You can't be afraid to make yourself look like an idiot because sometimes that's what it takes to be a good heel. You know, you—you got to make yourself just look like a complete jackass. And it gets over. It's amazing. Somebody I saw it, I got over. I mean, we were talking about before the year, I talked about uh, David Woods, but when I first met him, he was Consequences Creed, and uh, I was in WFJ. I met him, I had a good conversation with him, and got in the ring and bumped a little bit with him, and it was fun. You know, but I'm like, this guy's doing an Apollo Creed can. Like, I'm laughing hysterical. I'm there telling Christopher, I'll be real surprised if a guy looks like Apollo Creed gets over. But I'm really curious, and then. I was really blown away the match that he had with um with Matt Cruz that night. You know the unbreakable Matt Cruz, Gary Rucker. You know, yeah. And I was really blown away that match. Now keep this in mind. I'm ribbing Cruz, right? I've already been to two or three of his training sessions, so he's trying yeah. to get. So I was one of money plants in the crowd. You know, I was my first before mm-hmm. my first match. I was putting rings up, breaking rings down. But I was in the crowd. You know, I'm being. I am just cheering Matt Cruz like crazy. Matt's trying to be a heel, and I'm just going over to him. Yeah, man, you're the man. Pick that, pick that Apollo rip off, you know. And when he was trying to cheer Creed, and I'm being so loud, I'm jumping up, and I'm just cheering Matt. He was trying to boo Matt. I'm just cheering, going crazy. Matt jumps out of the ring, lands on the floor, gets in my face, and just slaps. He <laughs> so freaking hard on the ground, and everybody jumped on me, trying to make sure I didn't go after the you know I got temper. They all thought for sure I was going to snap go after Cruz for real. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm having fun with it, you know. And Cruz has it, man. I didn't hurt. Oh man, it was fun. I loved it. I was just trying to be part of the show. You know, the fact that you guys stop wrestling. I'm still that loud guy, just a freaking cheering. The crowd's looking at me. I'm still just going nuts for Matt. Matt jumps out of the ring and just wham, freaking hits across the face. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but Kareem got over, man. His gimmick got over, you know, and he went on to places and done great things, man, but again... And he, and he, came, through, uh, he came through APW, too. He came through APW and Anarchy. You know, that's where he came from. He's, you know, he's from uh, he's from that upper middle Georgia area. Like he's, yeah, yeah. I've, I've wrestled in the same ring that he's come through. You know, I've 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 been I've been very fortunate, and uh, I hate calling it a career because you know it's 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 not like you're getting paid or anything for this. Well, right. well I mean, if <laughs> if you're smart, you're getting paid for it. But <laughs> but uh, you know, at the at the time when I first started, you know, it was that whole oh we're gonna pay you an experience deal. So okay, well whatever. But uh, I, I have been very fortunate to be able to share a locker room with a lot of legends and to be able to sit under the learning tree of people like Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich and, you know, just different guys like that. And even more recently, Shark Boy. We've had Shark Boy. Right, right. It was at the last Livewire show. And, man, just – just and Lodi. Uh, when Lodi when Lodi was at the, uh, the show that will not be named that we were sharing a venue with. Uh, right. Just to be just to be able to sit and talk with him, man, it's it's amazing. Just some of the stuff you can learn just just by talking to these guys. It's, and I would I wouldn't trade it for anything, man. Like I said, I, I I wish I would have been more serious about it when I was younger and when my body was in a little bit better shape. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't have any regrets, you know. Uh, I've had some great experiences. I've made some lifelong friends. Uh, guys, I call brothers. 
you know, to this day, uh, Shane Hexen is one of my best friends, man. I could pick up this phone. He lives in North Carolina. I could pick up the phone and say, hey, I need you here. He'd be here in two and a half hours, even though it takes three hours to get here. <laughs> exactly. Brandon Parker, like, you know, we, we've had some disagreements and we've had some falling, we've had some fallings outs, but I mean, I've, you know, I've sit there and I've, I've talked to Brandon about my life and my life wasn't going great. Brandon's talked to me about his life when his life wasn't going great. You know, it's, you, you really do become brothers with these, with a lot of these guys. And you do. Uh, I'm very, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have met, uh, no, I've met, I've met some real shitty people too. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for me, for me to be this close to the end of my career and still have as many good friends as I have, I, I, I truly do feel like I'm I'm very lucky and I'm very blessed in that aspect. Because a, a lot of the guys can't say the same thing. And maybe, no, they can't, unfortunately. And, and and maybe if I'd gone a little further, maybe I wouldn't have as many good friends. So if that's the case, then I'm glad I didn't go any further than I went. You know what I mean? Because sometimes that that does change people. So, well, it, I, I think it does to a degree. Uh, which brings another question I happen to think about, um, and I, and I want to get to the point where you know you you become champion of Livewire, you know. But when another friend of mine and Chris's, and it's it's tough for us to talk about, you know. We love him like a brother, like I said, and, and you say exactly. You become brothers in this business, and and you go through the bad times, and then the point where, you know, as jealous and angry as I was at um at Jay Masperio, they didn't wear a mask, you know, same thing. I, I got gun in my head, really blew my brains out. He was there at four o'clock in the morning just to make sure I didn't do it because I was having nightmares from PTSD. I couldn't sleep. I called him up. Yeah. I think deal with the killings I had, to, I had to see and endure and live on a daily basis. Like when he become, when he first won the title UCW, you know, he won UCW championship, I think being, he beat, who did he be? Adrian Davis first? I think it was. Well, anyways, when he won the title. He, I believe you know, it was. Adrian. When, when Jay first won the belt. Was I thought I don't it was Adrian Davis. I don't remember. I think. Well, they only, they only had like while I was there. They only had like two or three champions. I know Adrian was a champion. I know T Cash was a champion, and I know Jay eventually became champion. So yeah, yeah, if yeah. He, he, if, he won the title. If he didn't win but it from he Adrian, then he must have won it from T Cash. No, nah, Jay ended up dropping. Well, no, Jay dropped it to CJ, and then T Cash beat CJ. I want to say oh, Jay beat okay. Davis if I remember correctly. But uh, what happened was Jay started. I don't know. I'm the champion now, and. And it's almost like he always said things like, well, it's lonely at the top. Everybody who who, who were, was in my corner to get there, and Jay's like, well, as soon as I won the bill, everyone just stopped being my friend. He actually really believed this. He said everybody was out to get him. Everybody was talking smack about him. Everybody was shooting on him. Everybody thought he didn't deserve that spot. Everybody thought he got it because he was choking down his dick. I mean, all, all kind of crap. I would defend Jay. Well, I tried my best to at the time. And the only reason why I came out that damn jug, well, he didn't wear a mask. That was a, that was a receipt against him because – he didn't want me or Christopher there to be part of that because he always was, he was par he got paranoid in this business thinking that me and Christopher was going to steal his spot. We, we broke in together. We were going to travel together. And all of a sudden, when Chris was getting an opportunity and I got an opportunity, Jay didn't get that. So Jay got with Oz and uh, Charlie and Mike Jones and they were on the road and they didn't get the invite to me and Christopher. And then when, when Jay finally got his belt, it, it was just like he thought everybody was out to get him. 
And people said things like, oh, it's lonely at the top, you know. So I guess my question is, you, you know, when you became the champion or any kind of title for that matter, and you hold on to it, were you that paranoid? Or do you know anybody else that when they get hooked? Because I've, I've heard guys who get stuck in this curse. I mean, we all know the story how Hulk Hogan felt. I want to chop the belt, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother, kind of deal. And he was paranoid like crazy. Because Hogan would say it's a shoot. Once you get the belt, you want to do everything you can to hold on to it. And when Jay got it, you know, he was real reluctant about it. But I- I'm kind of curious, did you, did you ever get exposed to that sickness? Did you ever need to like, personally that belt went to their head? Or No, yeah, absolutely thing. not. <laughs> because, it, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a, The belt is a prop. The belt is a prop to... Uh, to move the storyline along, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. The belt is a the belt is a prop the same way a chair is a prop. The belt is a prop the way that a manager is a prop. You know, it's it's just something to help the angle get over better. Like right. that's that's all it is. It's it's a piece of metal with a with some leather sewn to it. That's it. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, now, I'm not saying I'm not proud of what I've done, you know, the titles I've held. Uh, Multiple-time APW tag champion with uh, Chris Spectra as just two dudes. Uh, had, some of, had some of the best matches of, of my life again, with him against Heavy Metal uh, down there in APW Royston. Uh, uh, also Bullo- uh, wrestling Boulevard and his partner, whoever it, it was at the time, you know. Uh, and then becoming a live wire champion, you know, it's it's just enabled me to work with higher caliber people. And I'm grateful for that because, you know, sometimes if you're not champion, you kind of get stuck just bouncing around doing what just doing random stuff. And it can get boring. And, you know, oh, man, I, I want to work somebody in a program or, you know, I want to work somebody for a title. But at the end of the day, once you get that title you kind of get stuck in working the same people over and over again. And I like to work different people. So when looking at this live wire roster right now, you know, don't get me wrong. I I've, I've never been more proud to hold a belt than than I am to hold the live wire championship. Um, I, I can't thank Billy enough for the opportunity to put me at the front of his roster and let me represent his company that him and his sister put a lot of hard work into. And, uh, D- uh, Sherry doesn't get enough respect or a lot of enough praise for uh, which is Billy's sister. She puts a lot of work into into that show too, and neither one of them really get enough credit for all that they really do to make that show happen because it it does take a lot of work, especially with them being two states away because they live in North yeah, Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, I've it's always a never lot understood thing. why he. You know, I mean, I, I respect everything Billy's done. I didn't get a chance to say this earlier when we were talking about Billy, but um, we started referring, and, and especially at the time he cussed out, I don't know if you know who Alan Luke is or not, he was a guy who was trying to start a production company, and apparently he didn't yeah, get something Alan, done Alan, right. Alan no-showed no him, so he, he was pissed. Uh, well... Alan, when Alan showed back up right to another show, that, that, that the same day I Russell Walker, you know, I think the show got started late, like, like, like around 5 30. So we'll start at 5. And yeah, Billy was cussing a lot of people out, and Alan got cussed out too. And I was like, You're not even paying me, and you cussed me out. Well, that's a piece of shit right there. I says, Alan, Alan, calm down. 
calm down. You know, the man's got his balls on the line here right now. He's trying everything he can. You promised an audience the show's going to start at 5. It's not starting on 5.30. Who does the heat come down on? On him. You know, he's going to point a finger at somebody. You know, well, he should have taught me like that. I said, look, dude. Well, I mean. Read, 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 I said, read, read Bill Watts. Read about Bill Watts, right? Well, yeah, 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 but, but Bill Watts is the same way. Bill, if you didn't get a show right, he cut your ass out and fired you five minutes after freaking did it. So ever since that day, and when I told this to Billy, I said, Billy, you are the Bill Watts of the CSRA. Billy said that's a compliment. It, it was meant to be as a compliment, you know, and because he had a reputation of being an asshole. But you know what, though? Sometimes you got to be an asshole to be a success. And if you got sensitive skin, you don't need to be in a wrestling business. I'm sorry. Because you also, things but, are going to happen. Also- you also got to put right. yourself in Billy's position. You know what I mean? Like oh, Billy's, yeah. one of the, Billy's one of those guys where he'll tell you what he thinks, and yeah. what. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it does all come down to him. Because you know, a lot of people think I help book. I'm not on the booking committee. Like every decision that's made is Billy's decision because it's his company. Now he right. will ask my he will ask me my opinion on things, and I'll give him my opinion. But at the end of the day, right, he's right. this. Like he decides what goes and he decides what happens. So with that, with that comes the responsibility of when something goes wrong, everyone immediately turns to him, whether it was his fault or not. And, you know, and he's been the victim of being ripped apart online for stuff that wasn't necessarily his fault. And, and, and that's not, that's not fair to him. But I mean, that's the nature. That's the nature of of how things online are sometimes and in this business. You know, sometimes sometimes you get your asshole ripped for stuff that's not necessarily your fault. So when stuff like that happens, yeah, he does blow up, but I mean he's just like anyone else when they get mad. He wants to vent and then when it's over, all right, well let's figure out how to fix it. But a lot of people just hear him venting and were like, oh, well, fuck this guy. And it's like, well, if you were in that position, too, wouldn't you be a little upset if, if shit was going wrong? Or, you know, the guy said the ring was hey, going to uh, be here. The, the ring's not here. The ring is three hours away. The show's supposed to start in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a stressful gosh, situation. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Hey, miss. Hey, Christopher, you still with me? Yes, I'm here. Chris, go. Yeah. wake up, wake up, wake up. Pay attention. I'm Come on, motherfucker. <laughs> We're doing that freaking show right now. You got to listen. This is the first time <laughs> hey, I've seen out that actually live on Raw at the same time. <laughs> oh, crap. But yeah, what's your question? That's right. Going head to head with Raw. But hey, Christopher, how many times yeah. Alan Luke uh, cussed you out if things didn't go right that's supposed to go wrong? Oh, uh, a bunch of times. Oh, I got God. I got told Alan. I told Alan, I said, of course, Billy cussed you out. You, we, we screw up. You screw up. I mean, tell you, you cussed people out. Well, yeah, but they deserved it. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Oh, God. Well, I mean, oh, I, I will say this. I, 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 I have never. To, uh, coach Alan, how, how the business is. I have never heard Billy cuss out or talk shit about anyone that didn't deserve it. And, like, I, I, I stand by that. Like, if. If he's ever cussed you out or if he's ever called you on some bullshit, then you probably deserved it. Like, <laughs> I've never seen him, like, single out someone and just attack them for no reason. And and I don't think he's that kind of person where he would do that. No. I've, I've learned now uh, a lot of ways. I, I mean, you cannot... 
I, I agree with Jesse Ventura. You to say you can't argue with success, you know, and his company has come a long way compared to how it first started into the way it is right now. And I don't think he gets the credit he, he, he deserves. I've heard other promoters talk shit about him. I've heard other aggressors will sit there and talk shit about him either because they didn't get their push, they didn't get their opportunity, you know, whichever. I, I mean, the wrestling business is, I hate to say it, man, they're full of guys that are bitter. And, you know, when I, when I hear you tell your story, you talk about your careers coming to a close, but at least you're walking away with family, you got good people in your life, you know, and you get the memories of your life. And, you know, that, that to me, that's a success story. That tells you were successful in the wrestling business. It's somebody that has the money, you know. It's who's still, who's still like, you know, you know, some, some people walk in this business. So, I mean, golly, dude, you got to know it like I know it. How many people, how many wrestlers you've known took their own life? Because either the spotlight's over and they can't live with it. You know, the ones who talk to their friends, they, like, they got backstabbed, you know, to get to the top. I mean, I, I, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and sit there and say that, man. I, I called Christopher one night. Christopher, you, you, you remember this, about 2 or 3 in the morning. I called Christopher literally crying because I said, I'm so bitter. How do I get rid of it? I am jealous. I am mad. I am pissed off. My career didn't go where I thought it was going to go. My life didn't turn out where I thought it was going to turn out. I didn't, I didn't think of it a way as you just put it, you know. And, and Christopher, like I said, you know, People hate on Chris all day long. You know, you think people talk bad about Billy? Chris has got Chris made an army of enemies that Chris were pissed off oh, yeah. for years. But Chris, you know, you need something. Yeah, he'll be there. He sat there and listened to me, man. He he got me to calm myself down. Got me, you know, and 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 that's how the shootout got started. You know, and and and, and, and try to get me to be part of the business to try to either let people tell their story because I hear Jim Cornette's podcast. Love it, you know. Bruce Pitcher's podcast with Conrad Thompson, you know, something to wrestle with. Woo Nation. I started listening to that. I can think, you know what? We've got a lot of great guys in the CSRA that wrestle. And a lot of guys I never had a chance to work with because of my crazy work schedule. I bet we got a lot of great stories to tell it to. And this is my way of letting everybody know that, you know, I appreciate for what y'all have done. I appreciate Cruz, I appreciate every single back bump you ever took in this business. You know, I and I mean that because you know. Like, you were in it for the right reasons, <laughs> and, I, and I and I mean that, man. I'm I'm uh, yeah. I, I get emotional sometimes, but I, I I mean what I say, you know. And okay, I was I, one of those guys, I, and yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me cut you off. No, no, you're good. I I've always made it a point to say, you know, the the crowd means everything to me. There there would be no Jeremy Cruz without people paying to come see me, and to for anyone that's ever spent. Their hard-earned money. Anyone that's ever put down a dollar to see me perform, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, because that that means the world to me. And I've always said, you know, it, as long as as my heart will pump blood through my body, and as long as my lungs will pull in air and and push out air, I will keep doing this as long as there's people that want to see me do it. But I mean, there comes to a point where you have to look. Not only at the fact of your quality, your quality of life after wrestling, you know what I mean? Because my, my biggest fear has always been one of these guys. I don't want to be one of those guys in the locker room that you see that has to walk hunched over and has to shuffle to get around just because they can't let go. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want to be a chick. I don't want to be a chick Donovan. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be 80 years old and out there and 
uh, everyone's got a bump for me because I can only do one bump per match, so I got to save it for the finish. You know what I? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a, a, a hangers on one of those hanger ons. You know what I mean? It's 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 run its course, and you know, I, I'm not saying I'm done forever, but uh, there is there is coming a time, and it is coming a lot sooner than probably a lot of people think. But it's. It's not goodbye. It's just it's see you later. You know what I mean? It's uh, I know exactly what you mean. Re- 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 wrestlers never retire. Re- no, wrestlers never don't. retire, regardless of what they say. Wrestlers never retire. And if if I can transition into a role behind the scenes, you know that's fine with me. Where I can help other guys get over, then I'm okay with that because you know I, I still get the I still get to come see all my friends, and I'm still. I'm still contributing to the business, you know, my, my body is given, my body's given almost everything it can, but I still feel like I have something to contribute to the business. So as long as I can still contribute, whether that be commentary or agenting or whatever, I'm going to do whatever I got to do, you know, if, uh, but it's one of those things, like I said, not only the you have to look at your quality of life, but you have to look at there are the you've got all these younger guys coming up, and you know if the only thing that I can do for them is put them over, then that's what I'm going to do. So if, if that's what I got to do, then that's what I got to do to make sure that wrestling keeps going because you know a lot of people are like oh we got to protect the business we got to protect the business and they just think that means being mean to the guys that they don't want to be in the business and getting them out which that's not it you know protecting the business is making sure that there is a business after you're done with it so uh in that aspect yeah, I that, that is very the best sick. answer i think uh, uh that, that's I, like the best answer i think i've ever heard anyone say i mean the, the closest person i ever heard say anything what you just said was r anderson's hall of fame speech you know when he says you got to nurture the business you got to take care of it for the next generation you do the same thing that you did you know take care of the ones because if you want a business look at you you've got to be a protector and, and, and i agree with what you're saying you can't protect it by beating up the young kids to a point where they don't want to come back anymore you, know, you got to teach, you know what I'm saying? And granted, yeah, there, there were some guys that were, you know, thought they knew it all. I mean, Christopher could tell you this story too. Brandon Parker one time had to put someone in their place, and I, I, I gave him the green light to do it because this guy, um, what was his name? Chris Paul Glenn. He wrestled. He was midnight. I don't know if you remember Paul Glenn or not. Oh he God! He was, yeah, I remember uh, that kid, the puppet kid. Yeah, the puppet oh, kid. Jesus. Yeah, that little pirate he- guy. Oh, he he was almost he, as bad he, as Snake, in my opinion. I think he was a little worse than Snake. John just—I no. don't know. No, nothing is. Oh. Worse. You know, do you know why nothing is worse than Snake? Let me tell you why no one is worse than Snake. Uh, All right, Snake kicked out of a flaming. We power bombed him through a flaming God, table wrapped in barbed wire. Oh my! God. And he yes. kicked out it too. And we had talked to him. We're like, bruh, like this. This was the finish. Like we had talked about this. He knew that that was the finish, but he chose to kick out. So uh, Dale started beating his ass. Like the, the Dale legit was beating his kid's ass. Yeah, he drew one we, perfectly. And, and I say I've never hurt anyone, but that's the only kid that I was ever intentionally rough with because. 
he he needed he needed to be humbled. That actually got I, him to quit the business. Yeah, he quit. Yeah, the it did. After that, he never came back. Me and John had a heart to heart talk about that, and it was one of those things where he wasn't. And I really believe in what I say is if you have a conversation with this guy, you can tell he's off just a little bit. He kind of reminds me of Justin Hollywood, you know. And for some reason, he said when he got hit, he said he was hurt so bad. Like it was instinct to kick out, not to stay down. I said, John, that makes no sense to me. If you were hurt so bad, you wouldn't be moving. And so I was hurt. And he said he, he, don't, he don't even remember uh, the count being made. He just put a shoulder up, and he says the moment he did that, he knew he was screwed. But then he felt like everybody just really beat the hell out of him, and he said he never wanted to come back after that. You know, we, we talked yeah, about did. it. You know, yeah, we, we, we were, we were rough with him. After that. Yeah, mean, he never came back after that. If you, if you didn't hear the count, how'd you know to put your shoulder up? You know what I mean? That's, that's bullshit. Instantly. He said he went down, he felt someone covered him, and all of a sudden, he thought the three had already happened, and then he got his shoulder up, and then he realized he screwed up, and then he said he took his ass whooping the way it was, but that's when he realized, I don't think I belong here no more, because I keep screwing up, and people are beating me up for real, and, you know, I don't think I got what it takes, and then he quit, you know? Well, hell, if, if someone says I never did anything for the business, y'all can tell them we, I at least did that for the business. I, I got Snake to quit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done my part to make sure to yeah. business after I'm, after I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, what I was saying about Paul, um, Christopher would tell everybody, that Paul Glenn could be the next Brandon Parker, you know, because they, I guess, because they dressed similar and he had black hair and a little mustache. I didn't see it personally. Um, but anyways, Paul had a love and attitude problem. Paul thought he knew it. Paul thought he was a big shot. Paul, Paul thought he was a tough guy, you know, mm-hmm. even after I beat him up for real and David Clark beat him up for real. And he still thought he was a legitimate tough guy for some reason. And then it, someone it has that a ab- job, bright idea. What? It was that Abla mentality. Because he was part of that app, yeah. so he thought because they yeah. used to do those. They, he thought because they used to do those work shoots that he was a badass, yeah. and he was not. He was quickly shown that he was not. No, he, he wasn't. But when we booked him. It was a Halloween show. We booked him with uh, Brandon. Brandon came there and. Aaron, you know, he, he did his Draven character, and Brandon tried to talk to him about the match, and Paul was like, yeah, whatever, I'll figure it out in the ring, and walked away from him. And Brandon <laughs> said, he looked right at me and said, you want me to do what to this guy? I said, Brandon, do what your heart desires, man. He said, I got it. You know, right before the match even, got, match went out, Paul went in, and Brandon just threw him right in the freaking corner and gave out the hardest chop I ever heard. I mean, I've, I've been in a ring with Big Show. I'm not even afraid of that. I've been at ringside when the Big Show chopped somebody one time. Yeah. This chop was louder than that. Brandon's hand point went across this dude's chest so hard. I think he hit like, what, two or three times, Chris? And then the Roughly. bell run. And then the bell run. Paul went down the ground and could not get up when Brandon hit three <laughs> good blows. You know, yeah. I, I, wow. And like Brandon says, when, when the veteran talks, you listen. And I, I, I told these guys this. The veteran calls the match. When he talks, you listen. You know, you disrespect yeah. your veteran, well, then you just screwed yourself. You know. 
and don't 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 expect to come back and get booked again. You know, yeah. and we didn't book for a while after that because, like I said, I mean, you, you're going to disrespect the guy. But Brandon was a good name at the time. He still is a good name, big name at the time. He already had his WWE tryout match, if I remember correctly. You know, and he felt humble about the situation, the experience of dealing with all that. And he came down here and, you know, he wanted to work with some new talent. And we're, we're trying to train these guys. And so, yeah, we actually thought it would be a good idea to put him in with Parker. And that's the first thing Paul does is kind of like just gapped him off like he wasn't nobody. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I told Brandon, do what your heart desires, man. Go get him. You know, I, I, I told Paul, don't expect to come back, man. We give you an opportunity and this is what you do with it. You know, it took a lot for us to talk to Brandon, and Brandon came down here. Brandon doesn't have to be here with us. With us. You know, Brandon's in the big stage right now. He's coming out here to try to teach you guys. You just, you just blow him off like that. He's there to get your ass kicked. Like, the guy be shit, get out of here. Don't, don't expect to get good foot again. And I think Christopher had to um, change his diaper, give him a baba, rock him back to sleep tonight because Paul went ballistic after that. Am I right, Chris? I didn't do anything with Paul after that. I don't know. Oh, I, thought you, I, had, I thought you had to come for him and change his diaper after that. That's what you do. Somebody changed his diaper, but it wasn't me. But you really think? I, I didn't have nothing to do with him coming back. He Somebody else talked to him, and he came back on his own accord. Because yeah, he, he probably definitely shit himself after those chops. I guarantee oh, he it. He probably did. Parker has yeah. some uh, really painful chops. And and Brandon's a real Brandon's a real laid back guy. Like he's another guy that he is. That he values the match over over getting his shit in. So I mean, for him just to go into business like that, like it. I mean, he doesn't do that unless you you either need it or you deserve it. So Paul had either said something. Paul had either said done something to him to deserve it, or you know, he did. He damn sure did. But, but I will tell Paul this. He's lucky. What year was that? 2000 what? The 2011. He's, he's, he's very lucky that he pulled that. He's very lucky he pulled that with 2011 Brandon Parker instead of 2006 Brandon Parker because that would have been two completely different situations. He was, 2006 Brandon Parker would have killed him. He would have had him wrapped around a steel girder like he did with Aaron that one time <laughs> at AWS Metro. Oh God! Oh, oh and, that, that, and that poor kid. Oh man, that's a that's a whole nother shootout just on Aaron. I know. Oh Ben hurt. God, his- I, I I remember when Tweeter took a steel chair and hit Aaron over the head. Yeah, I think it was a Metro Arena at Chris's house, and it was. I thought it was referee, and it said this guy's knocked out. I thought he was working knockout. No, Twitter full fledged knocked him out. He went no, out that, chair, boom, he went out. That that kid's had more injuries than he's had matches. And I'm still it, trying man. to. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how that's possible. But I mean, that that kid gets hurt every match. Every single match. Every match. Look at this guy. Yeah, every match. He's in the back of the floor. He's hurting. He has to go to the hospital. But the next month, he's right back trying to get in that ring. Well, hey, you can say one good thing about Aaron. He's got more balls and heart than uh, Hollywood. You know? Yeah, man. He's a good, like I said, he's a good guy. Not, you know, not saying he's a good guy. Just, he gets hurt every match. He, he always comes back. Like, he, he never uses it as an excuse to not show up. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, Man's got heart, you know. Man, 
Yeah, gut too. Sometimes more guts than brains. Sometimes it can be a bad thing or a good thing, depends on how you look at it. Um, I know, I know, God, we've been on a damn show for almost almost four hours now, but I've got to get the live wire, man. Walk me through this thing. You know, when you find out your crowning moment's about to happen, you know, you've already done jump ship from UCW. You're back to the live wire. You're doing some good, damn good matches and everything. Walk me through the process of you becoming, you know, the champ of live wire, the heavyweight champion. Well, it was kind of a happy accident, to be honest with you, because what it boiled down to was, you know, like I said, with them being two states away, uh, and a lot of the guys that we use are from out of town. <laughs> because, I mean, let's let's be honest, there's not a whole lot of local guys around anymore that are still in the business. Right. I mean, you got it. I mean, you got a few, but a lot of those no, guys at that at, at that at that time in Livewire, they wanted a bigger payday than we could really afford to to pony up at the time. You know what I mean? So right. uh, we were thinking, and you know, me and Billy were kind of just brainstorming, and we were like, "Well, we we need someone that we know is going to be there every show." And he's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "We need someone that we know can work with everyone, and that has uh, at least a decent rapport with everyone, because everyone's got to be willing to work with this guy too." And he's like, "Yeah," I was like, "And you." Because, you know, Billy's constantly asking for promos and pictures and stuff like that. And some guys get it to him faster than others. And some guys don't ever get it to him at all. So, you know, it, I was telling him, you know, if, we're, you know, if you're going to put the belt on someone, it needs to be somebody that you know you can count on. That's going to, when you say, hey, I need you to do this, you know that they're going to do it. Uh, we needed someone that would be willing to go out because we wanted to do charity work. Like, uh. We took the we took that donation to the uh, ASPCA in Aiken that one time after the show. We had some money left over, oh, so we oh. made a hundred we we made a hundred dollar donation to the uh, ASPCA in Aiken. We needed someone that would be willing to go up there with the belt and take pictures. You know what I mean? We needed someone that would be a, a presence. So we're sitting there, we're trying to figure it out. Um, Adrian was having some things go on, was having some personal things go on in his life, so he was needing. We were. We were needing to not rely on him, not to lean on him so much because he needed time to do his own thing, which I totally respect and I, and I totally understand. So yeah. when Billy when Billy made the decision to take the belt off of him, we were like I said, we were kind of just brainstorming, and he just he just kind of asked me, he goes, "Well, about you?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, I was like, I'm not going to turn it down, but, you know, I'm not over here politicking, you know, I was like, there's other guys. I mean, there's Walker, there's Charlie, like we've got guys we could put the belt on that would, that would do better than me, at least ring wise. You know what I mean? There's better wrestlers on the show than me that we could have put the belt on. There's better guys that cut promos than me that we could have put the belt on. But, uh, Billy felt like, that I would be the best choice and I appreciate him putting that confidence in me because other than tag champion, I've never really been champion anywhere. Cause like I said, you know, it was never really about, you know, paydays or belts or anything with me. Cause the, like I said, the belt's just a prop, but, uh, and that's why I say earlier, you know, that I've never been prouder to carry a belt than I am to carry the live wire title. And, it's not because I'm in the main event. It's not because I'm getting a huge payday. It's because someone had enough faith in me to say, this guy can carry our show. So 
I, I will always be in debt to Billy for that. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people, oh, he, you know, you guys are friends. Of course he put the belt on you, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it, it wasn't like that at all, you know. And, and I don't think he ever looked at it like that at all either because if he wanted to put the belt on me, he could have done it a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like, I, I could have been the first yeah. live wire champion or I would have been a multi-time live wire champion by now if that was the case. But what it boiled down to was – he needed someone that he could count on. And at the time he felt like that I was the best person for that. So that's, that's really how, that's really all it boils down to. Um, but this I thing with Matt sales, this one, anyone would make. Go ahead. No, no. Well, what I was about to say was I, I can make it and get our. With any. That if anyone says, oh, see, I've learned he's a businessman and he's going to protect his company. I like you just said, he could have been live chain hundreds of times long before what you did right now. And when I first you know, heard that you won the title, I saw it on Facebook because when I first saw you, you know, and you start thinking about the road you took, so you've earned that. Ain't all the bumps you took. In fact, you had a good add to how you are in the sport, like I said, that you're trying to perform for. And I never saw you politicking to anybody, you know. Man, you've earned it. And yeah, I mean, I took my kids to what the last one in time before last. And I, I met the guy, uh, Mason, and I interviewed with him a few weeks ago. And I was your type of match um that you had with him i really loved the finish i mean i thought that was awesome where you was in the corner he threw the kick he held on his foot and the referees get close you push his foot so that was hilarious yeah you know and i had to get up and shake your head man it's a damn good match man I, I was really really impressed by the match you had with mason you know well I, <laughs> any good mission stories before we get this oh, go ahead go ahead I can't take credit for that finish because I've actually done that finish before with Morgan McNeil at Flatline. That was actually okay. a spot that he came up. That was actually a spot that he came up with for me to get him disqualified. So yeah. all I so all I did was reach back into my bag of tricks and pull that back out. So as much as I would like to take credit for that, I do have to give credit to Morgan McNeil for that one because he he did originally come up with that spot years ago. But um, wow. But as far as far as my title run, you know, I've always, as far as my heel persona, I've always tried to emulate that chicken shit Jericho heel from WCW, who would talk a big game, yeah. and then when you get, when you get in the ring, he does everything he can to possibly weasel his way out. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's real. That's realistic to me. It's not that you know. Because if you look to look at me, I, well. Some people may think I'm intimidating, but I don't think I'm very imposing. Like, I don't think I look very imposing. So, and especially after you talk to me, you know, I love to laugh. I love to joke around. I like to have a good time. But uh, I, I'm very rarely, like, super serious or mean. So, I, for me to go in and try to portray that as a character, it doesn't feel real to me. And I know if it doesn't feel real to me, it's not going to feel real to anyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Right. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So 
so that's where I try to go with that. And that, that spot just kind of fits in perfect with that. Cause that's something a, a slimy heel would do. You know what I mean? He would try to get himself disqualified just to save oh, face. Yeah. You know? Cause it, there are no, there, there's no asterisks in the history books. You know what I'm saying? It's wins and losses and that's it. Exactly. So. Exactly. Exactly. As a fan, bought it, man. I was there. I was, I was overly impressed, you know, and I messaged Billy afterwards. I was a man, one hell of a show, man. Congratulations is what I text him, you know. Um, gosh, man, you know, I know we're getting ready to talk about Matt Sells, but I, I remember these two other individuals. I, I, I haven't seen him work live bar that much. Billy told me he did a couple matches with him. Um, Hunter Young, and then what are your thoughts on Sean Legacy? Because I get, everybody's coming on this show has given me, you know, everybody said like they like Hunter Young very well. Billy, maybe not so much. Uh, at least that's the interpretation I got from it. But I get mixed emotions about Sean Legacy. I'm kind of curious. Uh, and- I cannot. I can't speak on how Billy feels about it. I mean, I know that uh, Hunter Young was at a couple of shows, and then something something happened uh, to where Billy wasn't. I think interested. it has to do with my. I think it has. To- I think it has to do with Mike Ellison or something, or something like that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think Mike Ellison. I think Mike Ellison got him for a show that he saw. He saw some of us talking crap about Mike Ellison's show, so he decided, you know, that Hunter. I guess Hunter Young didn't want to be associated with people who were talking trash, which I understand because you know he's, from what I understand, he's a real religious guy, and and that's fine. And, you know, that's that's how he wants to. That's how he wants, you know, that's his own personal decision. That's how he wants to live his life. But, you know, I got no problem with that. Um, Sean Legacy, Hunter Young's a good guy. I think he's got good, uh, he's got good potential. He's just one of those guys that needs to be molded, like I said. Like, he's got a lot of raw potential. He just needs to be molded. But I feel like, I feel like he is a bit, He's a bit too naive for his own good for this business. Like, I feel like he tries to give people the benefit of the doubt too much. And that may just be from him being religious or whatnot. I don't know. Because like I said, I don't really know the guy. But uh, I feel like him being so trusting could be detrimental to his career later on. Because he doesn't know. I don't think he knows how shady the wrestling world can be. Because he hasn't experienced it yet for himself. Uh, Sean Legacy, I've only had a couple experiences with him. Um, he's never done anything to me. Um, from what I, re- from what I recall, he did no show us. And then the one time he did come back after no showing us, he showed up with another company's belt and wanted to bring it out to the ring. If Billy had a problem with that, because well, I believe course. the show, I believe the show was, I think it was a viral belt to be honest with you. Because, I mean, you know, the the back and forth between Viral and Billy is well documented. I don't think we really have to go into it. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, I think I think that was kind of the last straw for Billy. Because Billy looks at this guy as just coming in the business. Like, regardless of how good you are, it's about paying dues. You know what I mean? It's about respect at the end of the day. And for this guy to be so young in the business to come in and just start telling everybody what he's going to do or what he's not going to do. I think that just rubbed Billy the wrong way. And, and granted, you know, he, he was trained, I believe he was trained by Susan Green. I think he's one of Susan Green's guys. Now, oh. you know, granted, now granted, Susan Green knows what she's talking about. 
And granted, he did get good training with Susan Green, but still, you know, like I said, to be so young in this business, you know, you kind of you kind of have to tiptoe when you first start. You know what I mean? You got you got to build relationships with people before you can start saying, "Well, no, I don't <laughs> think that I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think that I should do this instead." But uh, I mean, he's. He's obviously still getting booked. I mean, I see him on the viral shows all the time. Uh, I haven't really seen him anywhere else, but I don't really follow indie wrestling like a lot of other people do. I'm sure he's working other shows. Maybe not now so much because of all this COVID-19 business, but uh, never really done, um, never done, never done anything to me. I, you know, I don't, I don't have any hate for him, but I don't really know him. So I also really don't have any love for him either. You know what I mean? He's just, I mean, he's, 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 a, well, I mean, he's a guy. Let me, let me let me paint this picture to you. I really want your opinion on this because this is okay. Call it what you will. Rumor innuendo. Our promoters have issues with other promoters. I get that. And then uh-huh. we, um, I didn't personally. You know, Jay was paying Hunter Young under the table. Don didn't know about. Oh, sorry, I should have said that anyway. Bullshit. Anyways, still happened. Shootout. Shootout. Alan, Alan, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Alan, like I said, went to Sean Legacy personally. And, and Christopher, I can't remember the specific number he offered him. It was here 40 or 50 bucks for appearance. And like he says, okay, I'll do it. You know, this is how they first got Legacy. Well, then, whoever he was working with before, I don't know if it was Viro. It could have been my suspicions it was. Or it could have been, it could have been Ellison or another. another promotion basically so uh they tell legacy if you work with those guys it's gonna ruin your career and we're not gonna pay if you won't work with us if you work with the guys so sean says hey i can't work with y'all no more because these other guys are not gonna pay me no money if i did so sorry and then and then leave you ever hear anything like that where a promoter says hey if you work with these guys we don't like these guys work with these guys we're not gonna pay no money and you're not gonna get booked here you only work for us and personally man we're all independent Okay. Here in the wrestling business, I bull independent company. Any big money to work with you? Uh, I was so with that because if you know, guy ever sit there, I'm gonna laugh in this. I'm gonna go. I'm about my. Head. I, I'm kind of curious anything like that in all in your whole whole career in wrestling. And I thought it was a bullshit story. He kept telling we're paying this guy money, and then he didn't no show. But he's gonna say, "Hey, these other guys are telling me if I work with y'all." then I'm not going to get paid no money with them, so I can't work with you. know, I personally, I, I think it's just a bullshit excuse. You know, but now, your thoughts on that, man? Are you firming? Uh, <clears throat> early in my career, yes, I have had people tell me, hey, if you if you work with these guys, then we're, we're not going to work with you anymore. But, um, uh, and I, I have avoided going to places because of that. But like I said, I was so young in my career that I really... I really didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? It was either it was either feast or famine. Either I stayed with this show or I didn't have yeah, anything. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I have heard that. Uh, not recently, because, you know, there's now there's so many places out there. And I think the attitude of wrestling has changed now. You know, it's, you know, got there's really not any place that pays guys with experience anymore. There's not really too many guys out there that work for free anymore. You know what I mean? Because guys have realized, hey, I'm I'm risking my neck 
and my back every time I go out into this ring. Like you, you're gonna pay me at least gas money. You know, I'm, I'm gonna get something out of uh-huh. this. I can't, I can't put experience in my gas tank, or I, I can't put a hot dog and a handshake in my gas tank. You know what I mean? Because I, I've, yeah. I've been a victim. I've been a victim of that, you know. I've I've driven to North Carolina for free and driven back before, you know, just just for just hoping for a spot to be on a show, and then to not get that spot on the show, and then have to drive all the way back from North Carolina back to Georgia where I was living for free, you know, it, it sucks. You know, there's there's been times where there's been times where we didn't know how we were going to get home. You know, knock on wood. You know, luckily we we made it every time. But uh, I, I, I'm glad that it's not as prevalent now because I feel like that was very that was very detrimental to the wrestling boom that could have been. Uh, as big as the boom was when it happened, I feel like it could have been two or three times bigger had people not been so childish with the well. If you work for these guys, then you're not going to work for us because it it tears down the integrity of our show It's like, no, it doesn't. And, and I mean, I understand if you're champion on one show, you shouldn't go to somebody's backyard show and job for somebody. Like I get that. Don't get no, me wrong. You you know? yeah. I, I, yeah. I get the psychology. I get the psychology part of it, but if you go to the Southern show and they, and they book you appropriately, I don't see what the problem is with going to another show. Cause to me, all that is, is cross promotion. I agree. You know, if, if I'm the I, I if I'm the flatline, you know, if I'm the flatline champ and we're running shows at Patriots Park, and Chris invites me to AWF to have a match with, let's say, Bill, and me and Bill work a good match, and like I go over, I don't necessarily have to job Bill out, but we work a good match, and I go over. Who knows? People sitting in the. AWF I was like, well, shit, well, I'm going to go to Flatline and check this guy out. You know, he, you know, I was pretty impressed. Like, that's, that's just cross-promotion for me. And I feel like a lot of people shot themselves in the foot by not allowing their guys, their homegrown guys that they were so proud of to go out and put that name out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of it's like tying, tying a guy's hands behind his back and telling him to swim. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, brother, I want to get to this real quick. Steel Cage coming up. Now, my research is best. I think this is the first cage match you've ever been in. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it, this will be the first time. Right, so I'm sitting there looking and I'm case. sitting there time messing Christopher. He researched, and I'm like, so, I mean, let, 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 let's just cut all bullshit aside. People can call it a word. They can call it a shoot, whatever, wherever you want to freaking call it. And, and, and the history of Russell will tell you the most unforgiving that can happen. The unforgiving steel. It can cut you. It can hurt you. It's going to take years off your career. It could end your career on one bad thing. You know, and you and you know, Matt Sales has been a rival of yours. You know, I saw a guy heated up in the last show and everything is now coming together for the final encounter inside the steel, you know. You're putting everything on the line, not just your title, your career, your life. You know, this guy hurts you in a freaking cage. You could be 
or vice versa, you have to live with Matt Sells in a wheelchair. I mean, I hope you're smart enough to realize, go call a doctor's hospital, put yourself in the room, because that's what a smart man would do, just be on the safe side, because you know what's going to happen to Steve Cage facts. I mean, damn. Yeah, I mean, uh, be smart about it, man. I want you to tape up your fist and put a ton of blades in there. You punch him in the face. You <laughs> to do the Kurt Sloan bust open his face. I mean, I want you to pull all the freaking stuff, y'all. Bring the handcuffs in. Hey, Kevin, this guy's a thing. I get a damn taser and just tease his ass. Yeah, Carl will love it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, damn, I, I, I'm excited, man, honestly. You know, as, as, uh, as a, as a, as a putter of my podcast, as a spectator, a guy's been in the business. I am so fired up to see this cage match. You want to roll with Matt Sales, man. Let's see you. It's it's definitely it's definitely a unique situation to be in because, like I said, this this is my first cage match, and Matt's Matt Sales. It's kind of fitting to to what could potentially be my last singles match. I'm facing the guy who was my first real like my first real wrestling match. So it. it it it's kind of feel it feels like everything's come full circle with this, um, and and when you put in when you factor in, you know, there's so many variables with the cage that could go wrong. Like you said, you know, there's so many different ways that it can hurt you. There's so many different ways that it can cut you. There's so many different ways that it can leave its mark on not only your body but your career as well. This. This is my opportunity for everyone who said I didn't have the body for it. For everyone who said comedy wrestling will never get you anywhere. For everyone who said that I was never going to be anything. For everyone who said that I didn't belong. This is my opportunity to show them that I do belong. That that I can do this, that I, I have put into time, I've put in the work, you know, this, <coughs> this for me could not be a bigger match. Not only the stakes of the live wire title, but just everything that's happened to me up until this point. This, this is, this is it. This is the end all be all either. Either I go into that cage and I walk out as live wire champion or I don't and I have nothing when it's over. You know what I mean? It's Yeah. It's a very it's a very unique position to be in. You know, Matt Sells, he's got everything to gain and nothing to lose. He you know, he's just come off a one year losing streak. So we we all know Matt Matt Sells isn't afraid to lose a match. He's he's almost made a career out of it. <laughs> but wow. uh, yeah, since, since I've gotten this live wire title, I have not lost a match. Um, I have not been pinned. Uh, I have not been submitted. Matt Sills pinned me, but it wasn't official because the match had already ended. So somebody might bring that up. But it, it's I've been Jeremy Cruz for so long that. Honestly, I, I don't really know who I am when I'm not Jeremy Cruz, <laughs> if that makes any sense to you. So yeah, it makes, sense. makes a lot of sense, actually. So, so, so going into this cage, you know, this, the stakes couldn't be higher for me. Because, you know, like I said, you know, I've been told I'd never be here. I've been told I'd never make it. Well, 
now I'm here. And now I'm about to step into this cage with this guy. You know, there's a lot of things I could say about Matt Sells. You know, I could say that he's a that he's an idiot, you know, but anyone who's watched his YouTube show knows that. You know, they know he's an idiot. I could say he's a drunk, but anyone that's seen him in person knows that he likes to drink. The one thing that I can't say about Matt Sales is that he's a bad wrestler because he's not. <laughs> Matt Sales is a very accomplished wrestler. I mean, hell, he's been on AEW Dark. You know what I mean? Matt, Matt yeah. Sales, is, he's, he's been there. There's not a lot of stuff he hasn't done in this business. But I can guarantee you one thing. When he steps inside that steel cage, he's never been locked inside of there with anyone like me. This this is it for me. This is all I have. Uh, you know, he's got other shows that he does. This is the only show that I do. Uh, I've done a lot of things to get that title. I've you know, I've sacrificed. I've bled. I've sweat. And it, all the things I've done to get that title, Matt Sales better be prepared to do to take it from me, because I. It's, it's not going to take anything less than that for him to pry that title away from me. He's going to have to bleed. He's going to have to sweat. He's going to have to earn it. Uh, I've never rolled over for anybody, and I don't intend to start now just because he's Matt Sills. Well, and I guess we're all going to have to wait and see on October 24th. What's going to happen at the final encounter? Uh, fans, if you're listening to this show, I know it's going to be broadcast before the 24th. You don't want to miss uh Jeremy, I appreciate being on the show, man. We've been almost, yeah, we've been over four, four hours, man. Thank God. Uh, I tell you what, man, I never had a good opportunity to have a good long conversation with you. You know, it's, it's you know, yeah, man, I'm I'm always down to talk about wrestling. I really appreciate every you have earned it. You have, you know. <clears throat> um, thank you. I appreciate that. Man. I tell you what, man, I'm kind of choked up. No, I'm just I'm kind of choked up thinking about it though, because like you said, you've had one long journey, and it's all going. It's all going to come together in this steel gate. Golly, race and Rick Flair and what it meant for race to face Flair, and and, and you know you, you talk about Britain. And Owen, you know, in good cage matches, we got we could undertake our mankind hell in a cell. I, I mean, cage matches have made uh, some great memories in wrestling. I got no doubt in my mind this is going to be one of the greatest memorable cage matches we may ever see. CSRA, hell, it's been us. We had a good cage match here in Georgia. The last one, I, 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 I hate saying it, but I guess it was Chris Wiggins against the Fireman at FC uh, at Flatline Pro. You know, I, I heard that was a pretty decent cage match, but. I got no doubt in my mind, dude. This match is gonna blow any cage matches I probably have ever witnessed, and I can't wait. To see uh, it, I hope Thank so. You that's, that's the you've plan. Done in wrestling. That's the plan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anybody, if if you've never been to one, if you've never been to a live wire show, or even if you have, this is not this is not the one to miss. And you know, if if you've never been to one, you know, because of financial reasons or whatever. I mean, I've got a Facebook. Reach out to me on Facebook. We'll work something out. You know, we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. You know, if, if you got a bunch of kids and it's just, you know, I know a lot of people are struggling right now because of the COVID-19 thing. But, just, you know, re reach out to me. Uh, we can 
we can work out something. If, if you've never been, or hell, even if you have been, if, if you want to come see this match, we want to pack that place out on October 24th. We want there to be standing room only. We've already sold out, I believe, the front and, the front and second rows. So there's, there's still seats on the floor left. There's plenty of general admission left. Um, we're going to have gimmicks. There'll be, you know, we got the concessions. There's also a bar in the next room. So, you know, if you'd like to have an adult beverage, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, we are asking that you wear your mask. Uh, if you are sitting with the group that you came with, uh, and you're eating or you're drinking, you may take it off. But if you get up to go to the gimmick table or go anywhere else in the building, we ask that you please put your mask on, you know, just trying to keep everybody safe, make sure everybody feels comfortable. Um, but yeah, we, like I said, let, we want to pack this place out. So like I said, if, if there's anything that's ever prevented you from coming to a live wire show, reach out to me, talk to me about it, and we'll see if we can't get it figured out because I, I want you to be there on October 24th. Not just for me, but I, I want you to witness what we've done in the eight years that Livewire has been here. Because this, this show isn't just the biggest show for me. I believe this is the biggest show that Livewire has put on up, up to date. Uh, we've got a lot of great talent. We've grown production-wise, thanks to Bob Keller and Danny Mead. They do a lot of work to make the show what it is. And it's... It's it's fun, man. It's just fun. Like when it when it all boils down to it, it's just a good time, man. We all have a good time. We all laugh. We all hang out after the show. So just just come down and and just witness what the experience is like. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We're all here to have fun. Um, Christopher, anything yep. else you want to add, brother? Oh no. Um... You know, it's, it's been a while. We've been trying to get, you know, crews on the show for quite some time. And, you know, we've gone four hours talking here. So this is definitely a two part episode. Um, but uh, I, I have to say this um, considering that everything that, you know, me and me and you've been through, Cruz, um, mm -hmm. in the business that, you know, being in different locker rooms or being in the same locker room or, or, or you know, you on the, the, you know, wrestling side, me on the production side. Either way it goes. I've watched your career from the start of being the skinny, scrawny, nerdy looking kid who was doing commentary at Flatline Championship Wrestling in 2006. <laughs> To, it's like a life seems like a lifetime ago, don't it? It really does. <laughs> but um, to see you grow to this point, and and you actually being part of what I consider a historical moment, because honestly, there there hasn't been too many cage matches in the CSRA in a long time. Not not since the territory days, um, and um, the ECW uh, December to dismember, which I really don't count. Uh, as oh, you know, God. something yeah, great. Was... Um, but for 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 that to happen, it, it's it's amazing to me. Um, and, and I I don't say this quite often to a lot of people, but uh, I do say it to those who deserve it. I'm, I'm very proud of you for everything you've accomplished, everything you've achieved, and everything you've done in the wrestling business. It's very rare for somebody to you know who who got involved with the business on a whim to to get to this point in their careers 
And honestly, I'm looking forward to this matchup between you and Matt Sells. I want to see what you bring to the table, and I want to see, you know, just how big can this thing go? Because I I honestly think you don't have, you haven't tapped your full potential yet. I think you've reached the pinnacle, but I think you have a whole lot more you can give. There's, there's, there's a lot on the line, and to those that show up on October 24th, I can promise you that. When you look at me, that will be the best. When I step into that ring, that will be the best Jeremy Cruz you will see on that night. Because like I said, going up against Matt Sells on top of being inside the steel cage, anything less than that would be a death sentence. I'm definitely looking forward to see what you bring. Absolutely. But 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 don't don't forget, I still stand on top. <laughs> That's what you. Do. Of course, you know. I got I got to stay. I got to stay in my lane sometimes. <laughs> we gotta gotta live the gimmick, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> can't, can't oh, let the rivalry can't let the rivalry die. Somebody might oh, book it no. somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line, <laughs> I got to get in shape first instead of being in shape. But <laughs> somebody put this on paper somewhere. Let's make this happen. <laughs> hey. There's got to be a payday involved, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll start a, Go, I'll start a GoFund match uh, page after the show. We'll, we'll make it happen. I'll, I'll get the money together. I'll talk <laughs> to the right promoter, the right booker. Make sure the money's right. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Oh, well, I got a feeling Billy be, Johnson's going to be a first to be talking about. You really want to work this match? match? <laughs> we'll go to we'll get Madison Rectangle Garden. We'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody will book it somewhere i promise oh man outstanding outstanding well guys that's all the time we have for the day jeremy cruz hey, it's been an honor and a thrill yes sir uh, on the show, man. A, lot, a lot of things i know about you i know more about you now than i did what i did before man i tell you what uh <laughs> like i said man big, big honor i hope to have you back on the show again soon i definitely want uh some post oh, yeah, after the cage match regardless of what happens and i can't wait to do it again man thank you yeah, that'd be great, man. Like I said, you guys are great. I love talking about wrestling. You know, I love telling stories and, and laughing and having a good time. So, man, anytime, I'm, I'm more than down for it. Um, if you're if you're there on the night of the 24th, man, I, I'd love to give you an, an exclusive uh, post-match interview or whatever. If you want to record it and save it or if you want to put it up on Facebook you- Live or, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And no problem. All right, all right, man. Well, it's been real, guys. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to hop off here. I think I'm gonna be sitting on the couch for the week. My wife just came out, threw garbage at me, and slammed the door. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Typical ending to a shootout episode. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, Bill's shootout. gotta go do chores oh, now. See y'all later. Oh Lord, oh, it's all good. I love my wife, so. That's just what happens. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Survivor Payne Bill Blanchard, the host of the shootout. We've got Jeremy Cruz, we've got Chris Diggins. Y'all have a good night, but make sure you're there October 24th in Witness Wrestling History. Jeremy Cruz defending the Live Wire Heavyweight Championship against the number one contender, Matt Sales, inside his field game.